Intelligent, sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Julian Assange embarrassed virtually everyone in power in Washington. He published documents that undermined the official story on the Iraq War and Afghanistan. He got Debbie Wasserman Schultz fired from the DNC. He humiliated Hillary Clinton by showing that the Democratic primaries were, in fact, rigged. Pretty much everyone in Washington has reason to hate Julian Assange. The White House floated a proposal to release captured immigrants into sanctuary cities to send a message to Democrats. But Immigration and Customs Enforcement pushed back on concerns over liability, negative public relations, and budget issues. The Ohio governor signing today what critics condemn as the most restrictive abortion law in the country. And what supporters celebrate as a victory, one certain to be challenged in court. It's the essential function of government to protect those who cannot protect themselves. And now, Stacey Washington. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for being here in Hour 2. You are the guest in Hour 2, so feel free to call in and join me today. It's such a beautiful day in the Midwest. I'm in Missouri now. You may be somewhere else you're experiencing, like, um, for instance, if you're in the mountain regions, I heard y'all had a blizzard. God bless you. I mean, I'm sure you're used to it because you're living there, but wow, I am so glad it's not snowing here. Yesterday, I went out and I took a little survey. You know how you, you, but basically you cut everything back for the, for the fall and you go into the winter and you're just hoping that all of your plants, the new ones that you put in, you hope they survive and come back. And so I was just going out there looking and a couple of them, they're looking kind of iffy. So I did, I, I, went down into the roots and I took a look at the roots and then I covered everything back up and I said a little prayer over those two, but the others, <laughs> they look like they're coming back. So, um, that has been, I've been doing that and just trying to kind of get outside a little bit because I do think it, you spend more time outside. It just lifts your spirits and you really get to appreciate what God has given to us in the way of our, 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 our beauty, our nature here in America. We just have so many beautiful things to look at that are a part of our natural everyday outside experience. So, um, anyway, we have a ton of different things we're going to get to in this hour of the program. We are going to talk about Julian Assange and this whole push to kind of demonize him. And I've, I've been really sad to see some people that I respect greatly online talking about how he's this horrible person. And I, I don't think he's an angel. I don't think Julian Assange is just like, you know, a, a, not at all. But he is someone who took information that was the person who stole the information is the one who should still be in jail. But because he is transgendered, he's out. And now they're trying to demonize Julian Assange because he embarrassed people. So we'll get into that, too. But I want to go to the phones. Here's the uh, the call line for you. And I just love chatting with you guys, even the people who disagree. You know, you know I, th- I know people think, oh, she's thin skinned. You know, I am who I am. Whatever. 866-963-2037. 866-963-2037. Um, let's go to David in Georgia. Hey, David, thanks for holding on. Happy Friday. Hello. Uh-oh, it looks like we lost him. David, if you want to call back, we'd love to talk to you. Jackie in Tennessee, thanks for calling the show. Hi. Good to, Hi there. Good to be on with you. Oh, nice I to talk to you. I just want to say thank you for being so raw and so real. You draw the line and say, yeah, I said it. That's right. You want to do something about it? I love it when you do that because I call it having ovaries, you know? So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you get to a place where you're just like, so, oh, I, I just said that. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Yeah, it, but it's so good. It just lets people know, good or bad or indifferent, where you stand on any situation or circumstances you're talking about. 
so to, to tie all those subjects about death into one little knot, mm. uh, whether it's slavery, abortion, or the death penalty, I put my money where my mouth is. I support AFR. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate I'm that, glad. Jackie. I am so glad I became a, a giver because you guys give us so much information and so much inspiration and not a whole lot of entertainment. Big difference. Well, you know, I, we, we I do. Thank you. Thank you, Jackie. I appreciate that. And I, I just want to piggyback on what she said. You know, I'm, I've always been kind of what you see is what you get. Um, and you know how it is when, as you get a little older and a little older, you become more of yourself. That's what I feel like. And especially if, if you know, if, if you're checking in, <laughs> you're reading your word, you realize you're more of yourself, but you also are more aware of yourself, of your own sin, of your own mistakes, of your own failings. And it just... You know, you just become to a place where you don't you don't want to tolerate any of the stuff that's going on. And I think one of the things that's most enraging about all these stories, whether it's abortion or um, the, the, the southern border or, in, or, or even this Julian Assange thing, is that there's this huge double standard. And sometimes and I have heard and I didn't hear Hannah Cox do this, so I'm not talking about Hannah Cox. But I did. I do have people sometimes who are arguing against the death penalty. They say, well, you're pro-life. Well, how can you compare a baby, an innocent baby who's never even breathed any but little bit of air to someone who has committed a murder, someone who had every opportunity not to commit murder and they did anyway? And remember, death penalty cases are not uh, it's not when you've done a crime of passion. A death penalty case is not when, um, you know, you you've it can, you can be premeditated in the murder that you commit and still not be a death penalty case. So this is by no means supporting the death penalty doesn't mean every person who commits a crime that ends in someone dying then is subject to the death penalty. It's for those heinous, you know, just unbelievable criminal acts that result in the death of another person. So we're talking about something that the death penalty is meant to be rare but it's also meant to send a message and it is also biblical. Um, so I just, I continue to call for reform. And I think that hard work that we all have to participate in, in some way, we can't all be, you know, at the courthouse steps or, or, you know, but we do all have something we can do. And I, I want to remind you, remember when you, when you're making comments on different pages and stuff like that, don't forget if the issue is something that can be handled by your legislator, whether it's your state and local legislator, the, the you know, your mayor, your county executive, your elected state rep for, for the state or for the Senate, state Senate, send them a letter. If it's for, you know, your federal representative, your federal senator, you know, the, the two that you have for your state, send yours a letter. Um, and we have to get comfortable doing that again. And I know we, we right now we're not as comfortable, but we can do it. Let's go to David in Georgia. Hey, thanks for calling the show today. Hello, Stacey. How are you today? Doing pretty good. How about you? Yeah, doing good. Kind of hot here in South Georgia, but oh. anyhow, uh, speaking about the death penalty, uh, and I've heard part of what the other lady was saying, and uh, she said, you know, back in the Bible days, they had to have two witnesses. Uh, back in the Bible days, they didn't have all the technology that we have now to uh, make proof of something that happened. Uh, whether there was a witness or not. Uh, and also, if they, uh, 
if they would uh, go ahead and uh, do a survey or do it, you know, check back and see the uh, crimes that used to be committed uh, when they said, okay, he's guilty, and two days later they hung him high, uh, there was a lot less of the murdering going on and killing that deserved the death penalty uh, instead of letting him sit in at taxpayer's expense for so long a time. Mm-hmm. Well, there wasn't the government system so of them automatically getting your money so they could pay for it. You know what I mean? Right. The, the lack of technology meant yep. that they could execute someone. And, and there were times, certain times in the Bible, when you read in the Old Testament, there were times where there was a lot of murder and wickedness and God would, you know, he would come in and he would judge the people. Um, yep. But you're, you're also right. There was, there had to be two witnesses because otherwise one person's word against the other and they they were quick with it because there there wasn't a whole lot of prisons and things like that for them to put people in. There were prisons, but it wasn't it wasn't like here now where we have multiple prisons in every state and there's a whole industrial prison complex and there you know just completely different time. Uh, but it doesn't negate what God's word has said. I, I appreciate you making that point. It, it's important for us to kind of put a context to it. Um, and to kind of think, I, I like thinking it through. I like hearing the other side and then spending time thinking about it, which I did after I read her article. And then I went and looked to see, you know, has she changed my mind? And do, what does God's word say? And that is what I shared when she was on with us. And um, so, yeah, th- thank you, David. I appreciate it. Have a great, great weekend. All right. So we have a still more time for you to call in if you want. Um, 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. Now, I want to catch up here. Um, first off, Tucker Carlson, who y'all know, he's my best friend. Y'all can look on Facebook and see that we took a picture together. Okay, we're not best friends, but we met once, and I think he's brilliant. And he made a point last night that I thought, I, I try not to play too much audio from Tucker Carlson, right? Because, you know, he's he's great. His show's good every night. But this was specifically interesting because of, this news story where Julian Assange has been arrested and I do not have a problem with him being arrested and extradited for, I think there was some kind of sex crime charge, like a rape or some kind of sexual assault. And I look, I don't, this isn't the, the law show or the Nancy show or whatever that show was where the lady was a lawyer and every case she had a comment and she knew all the backstory. It's not that at all. But the point that he's making here should have all of us thinking about what, our government does to people who expose it, right? (laughs) Because remember who he embarrassed, Hillary Clinton. Remember who still has legions of minions working in the federal government, Hillary Clinton. Um, Who else did he embarrass? What did we learn? And why are people still angry about us learning that? So listen to number two. Well, if you watched a lot of the coverage of this story today on television, you likely came away with the understanding that Julian Assange is some kind of Russian spy who's in trouble tonight because he stole classified documents from the U.S. government. That is not true. It's factually incorrect. Saying so is not a defense of Assange. We're not here to promote him or excuse any number of things he said over the years that we disagree with quite a lot. But just so it's clear, whatever his sins... Assange did not steal documents from the United States government. He did not hack the DNC servers. He didn't break into John Podesta's Gmail account. There is no proof that he is working for the Russian government or ever has worked for the Russian government. 
Assange has never been charged with any of that and wasn't today, no matter what they tell you. If you're upset about the theft of classified documents from the U.S. government, and there is reason to be, we already know who did that, a 22-year-old Army private named Bradley Manning, now called Chelsea Manning. In 2013, Manning pleaded guilty to stealing secret material and got 35 years in prison for it. Shortly after that, Barack Obama commuted Manning's sentence. This allowed Manning to leave jail decades early, go back on television as a commentator, and then run for political office. So if your real concern is America's national security, you have someone to be angry at, Barack Obama. And yet, strangely, nobody is. Instead, they're furious at Julian Assange for printing the documents that other people stole. Mm -hmm. Now, why do you think then Bradley Manning was so up in arms about what he saw and why did he steal the documents? Well, he stole them because as we all learned, there was a bunch of stuff that we were told as the American people that wasn't true. There were, there were things that, so was it right for him to do that? No, it's never right to steal documents and publish classified information. But when he did, what did we learn? So there's a, this is a complicated story. And the, power players, the ones behind the scenes, who the ones who you see getting blamed, the ones you see on TV sputtering and talking about, you know, he, he's, he's a Russian agent. Julian Assange is no more a Russian agent than Donald Trump is. He's a guy who saw an opportunity to publish information that had been stolen, that he knew what this is the scoop of the century. And so he did. He gambled because previous to this, haven't the Democrats told us over and over again that we protect reporters, that confidential sources are never to be revealed? But now all of a sudden, you know, well, he, we should throw him to the wolves. Why? Because he exposed Hillary Clinton and humiliated her and she's never to be messed with. She's the queen bee. She puts Beyonce to shame. She's the one we all have to bow down to and, you know, pay homage to her house dresses for 12000 a pop. No. He doesn't get excused for anything that he's done wrong that they're charging with outside of the, the whole publishing of this information. But come on, the, we have to be more thoughtful about this. And I'm not saying you're not, but I, I'm just I'm putting that out there. Assange is not the number one boogeyman. It's the people behind the stories that he exposed. All right. When we get back, we'll have more for you. 866-963-2037. Be right back. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, we took the spices that we'd prepared and we went into the tomb. We found the stone rolled away from the tomb. When we went in, we didn't find the body of our Lord Jesus. Who took him? Where is he? Who took him? Why do you look for the living among the dead? Where's Jesus? He's not here. He has risen. Jesus was alive. He's alive. Jesus was betrayed, abandoned, mocked, beaten, and then crucified on a cross for sinners like you and me. The Son of God was buried, and after three days, he rose from that grave. American Family Radio encourages you to rejoice in the glorious reality that our God is a living God. 
This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. Dennis Prager has a phrase that he's been using for some time. He says the left ruins everything. That is the title of a recent PragerU video by him. It surfaced in a recent commentary by him with the title, How the Left Keeps Me Religious. I really question his phrase the first few times I heard him say it. Perhaps it was the realization that every generalization has exceptions. But Dennis Prager is a thoughtful person, so I didn't reject the idea immediately. It is important to understand that Prager makes a distinction between liberalism and the left. Liberals and conservatives value truth. The left does not. And in his recent commentary, he acknowledges that liberals have done some good, but he then adds everything the left has touched, it is ruined. The most obvious example, he says, is the university. Harvard professor Steven Pinker, a liberal and an atheist, says the left has rendered the university a laughingstock. If you've been reading my commentaries for any length of time, you've heard me cite many examples. And Dennis Prager accuses the university of teaching gullible young students lies, immoral ideas, and foolish doctrines, and then goes on for six paragraphs with awful examples of what is taught on campus today. One example from his video that is briefly mentioned in his commentary is what the left has done to the arts. The God-centered West produced Bach and Michelangelo. By contrast, the left has produced mostly junk. He says there's nothing higher to aspire to because the focus is often merely to shock, not to inspire. In fact, there's a large amount of so-called art that is nothing more than scatological art. The Bible and a belief in God were important in the formation of Western culture and in the creation of America. Rejection of those ideas has given us a leftist perspective that seems to be trying to ruin everything. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. For a free copy of Kirby's booklet, A Biblical View on Socialism, go to viewpoints.info slash socialism. That's viewpoints.info slash socialism. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the show. Get over to StacyOnTheRight.com and hit the subscribe button. Also find me on Twitter and Instagram at StacyOnTheRight. Right now, it's my pleasure to go to the phones and take another call. 866-963-2037 are the call lines. If you want to join us, 866-963-2037. Doug in Oklahoma. Hey, Doug. Thanks for calling the show. Hey, Stacy. How are you doing? Pretty good. How are you doing? uh, All right. I'm an ordained janitor from Paul's Valley, Oklahoma. (laughs) Awesome. But you've never (laughs) met an ordained janitor. I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, God, I, I've been in business for myself since I got out of the Navy in 1981, and God told me to take the job, so I took nice. the job. Nice. And I've been blessed with it. Anyway, I, and I've been blessed to be able to listen to you every day as I work. Oh, thank you. Uh, nice. When you were talking about the death penalty, it brought to my mind uh, when California suspended the death penalty. might have been. Uh, when you were real young or not born yet. I'm not sure how old you are. But uh, they suspended the death penalty, and during that suspension, I believe during that suspension, Charles Manson and his family were famous for killing a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. And uh, they could not be given the death penalty. And he still lives in his insanity in a California jail. And, and he inspired that, a crazy I movement. That California, yeah, I believe that California yeah. remembers that and may never do it again, no matter how liberal they get. Yeah, 
it's so had he been put to death tens of thousands of people wouldn't have had their minds perverted by him and his lunacy i mean it was literally as if him being arrested and convicted set him up to be some kind of a martyr and they just couldn't stop him from he, he was perverting people this it, it, charles manson culture cropped up there and women moved to california so they could live near the jail and they wanted to marry him it was just lunacy uh, all of which could have been avoided because he killed a lot of folks. He should have just been put to death. Another example. Um, anyway, I just, yeah, yeah. Great point. Thank you for calling the show, Doug. And have a great weekend. Uh, thanks for listening while you're working. It's fantastic. Um, okay, let's let's get back to this. And I talked about this just a tad. This This is the breaking story for today which is that the White House planned to release immigrants into sanctuary cities to punish Democrats. I think the only mistake that was made here, well, there were two. The first one is that they said, we're going to punish Democrats. They should have just said, this is what they voted for. We're giving them what they voted for, instead of saying punish Democrats. But the, the other thing, the other mistake was that uh, Kirsten Nielsen was in charge, and she wouldn't help them execute on this. And they have people there um, in the... Department of Homeland Security, who felt this wasn't a good idea. Well, of course it's not. If the point of bringing in all of these illegal aliens, a million, 1.5 million a year, is to change Republican districts into Democratic districts, then why would Democrats want you to send illegal aliens to places that are already sanctuary cities? The idea is to make more sanctuary cities, right? Now, I don't think that's the, the, what will happen. Remember, Whenever people sit down and try to plan stuff out and say, if we do X, then these people will do Y, the people usually surprise them by doing, you know, two, three, four, five. Notice I said numbers instead of letters. That's how people are. That's why people are so hard to manage. You can't actually accurately predict what groups of people will do. And, and even with predictive models and you have history that you can look at and all that, you can't without a shadow of a doubt, say, if we do this, they'll do that. But you can say, y'all voted for this, so therefore, here you go. Here's the illegal aliens you were looking for. So here's number one. Uh-oh. So I'm, I'm not sure if we're getting number one here. I don't think so. Um, but it's a clip about the White House planning to release immigrants into sanctuary cities to punish the Democrats. Oh, okay. Um, so there's, we're still on the same subject here. Um, we have the Customs and Border Patrol official. He's testifying before Congress, and he reads this MS-13 text message. Now, you know they get to take the phones and confiscate the property, anything they find on you when they arrest you. And MS-13, they communicate with each other the same way that you and I do. We text our family members, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Customs and Border Patrol officials actually are now, they have proof that MS-13 uses our flawed and broken system to get into the country. They want to be here just as bad as anybody else because they want to deal drugs while they're here. Um, so let's play number five. People are traveling all across are traveling across hemispheres to attempt to illegally enter the U.S. using the same pathways as the Central Americans. We also encounter known gang members from some of the most violent gangs on Earth, including MS-13 and 18th Street. Some of these gang members are fraudulently posing as part of these migrant families. 
I'd like to share with you a translation of a text message that we intercepted from an MS-13 gang member who is part of one of these fraudulent family units. He wrote, you should see the amount of Hondurans that are traveling with a child. And they pay less to the smugglers in order to be delivered to the Border Patrol. And it's a direct trip. They have them a few days with Border Patrol, and afterwards they are released. There are a lot of people with that law. That is the easiest way right now. Entire families are coming. So make no mistake about it. The word is getting out. If you are part of a family, if you bring a child, you will be released. Just last Friday, our agents apprehended an adult Honduran male with, one, with a one-year-old child. After questioning the man, the man admitted the child was not, in fact, his. Something has to change. So do you understand what he just said there? I need, I need, you, I need us to all kind of just sit here in this moment and let this information marinate on our brains. Some one-year-old child was used like a plane ticket. You know how you have to scan your plane ticket before they let you on the plane? And if you scan it, it says you're supposed to be going to Chicago and that plane's going to Denver. They won't let you on the plane. He, he, these people, these horrible, some of them are drug dealers, some of them are people who just want a better life. They are actually using children like tickets. And if that doesn't just burn you up, when I, when I think about, have, have, you been, have you been out recently and seen a one-year-old? I mean, one-year-olds, a one-year-old child is, they're constantly looking for their mom or their dad's face. I don't know if you guys remember this from when your kids were small. I'm sure you do. I remember our kids, especially because they sent, they spent all of their time with me because I was a stay-at-home mom. So they would, if I left the room and came back in, or if we were in a group of people and I wasn't holding them and they would, you know, I would, I would say something. I would, I could see them from across the room. They would just turn their head and keep scanning until they found my face. And then, of course, within 30 seconds, arms are up. They're really, I have to go over and get them, right? <laughs> They're like, oh, you're back? We're supposed to be together. <laughs> you know how babies are. Until they want to get down. But they, they don't want you to go far because they should be able to still turn around. And within three heads, they want to be looking at your face. Imagine the trauma that one-year-old is going through traveling thousands of miles on a bus or on, on by car or by truck and how this person isn't taking good care of them. They don't need to take good care of the baby or to treat the baby kindly. They're just using it to get into America. Just think about what these kids are going through. They're being used like not – it's worse than being used as a pawn. It's like, you know, just treating it's, – it's, it's like slavery. They have no choice in the matter. They, their, their feelings don't matter. They're not going to be taken care of properly. And when they get into America, they're abandoned. And then, oh my goodness, so we'll get to that next segment. I have some audio of the lieutenant governor of Texas. He says they found just, just the ones they found. In other words, the corpses and remains that they found, 1,671 bodies covered since 2011 and he said it's a burial ground you can't even he said they can't collect all of the remains they can't even find them all they just stumble across them when they're you know chasing a group of illegal aliens or you know they're whatever they're doing they just stumble across them this is what actually changed the president's mind they they took the president down to this area and showed him where they find this is on people's private property they find these dead bodies ranchers will go out and ranchers expect to find 
you know, dead animals and carcasses, you know, coyotes or an animal that's been killed by another animal. And then, you know, the, the carcass has not been eaten. So, you know, they, they expect to find that they're ranchers. They don't expect to find human remains, but this is what's going on at the Southern border. Again, an abomination, sin run amok. This is what's happening. And people who defend it, they have no excuse. You cannot defend people coming into the country illegally and dying, and they don't even have anybody to know that they're dead. No one knows they're dead. For, their, for all their relatives know, they could be in the United States living and, and you know, on their way to a good life. Their relatives don't know. And the remains are elderly people, adults, and children. They're finding the remains of children out there. I mean, I just can't, I can't see how anybody would be able to justify what we're seeing there. So I saw the story today. I made a moment on Twitter and I started tweeting out about how it's just so crazy that, um, that, you know, the, the president wouldn't have followed through on that, but it looks like the reason he didn't follow through is because he got pushed back from DHS and Kirsten Nielsen. And so what I want to see is I want to see the, oh, I want to see the president actually do something about that. Like I want to see him put, put the illegal aliens who are being released into the country into sanctuary cities. I do want to see him do that. If he has to take a little PR flack, um, you know, so be it. He's taken PR flack before. Sometimes you take a little flack when you're, when you're over the target. Um, so let's go to, to clip one is the clip is explaining how this whole thing came about with this um, planning to release uh, the immigrants into sanctuary cities to so-called punished Democrats. A new report from the Washington Post details the White House plan to drop detained migrants off in sanctuary cities as a punishment against Democrats. The Post report said officials in the White House introduced the idea twice. Both times came when Democrats were strongly opposing the administration's policies at the border. One of the areas where this would have happened was in San Francisco, in House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's district. According to the Post, the White House thought this idea would kill two birds with one stone. One, it would help with the limited space in detention centers, and two, serve as a warning to Democrats on the Hill. Stephen Miller, the controversial immigration hardliner, was one of the advocates of the proposal. One Homeland Security whistleblower said, quote, What happened here is that Stephen Miller called people at ICE, said if they're going to cut funding, you've got to make sure you're releasing people in Pelosi's district and other congressional districts. ICE officials and attorneys thought the idea could be illegal and would be a PR crisis. CNN also reported that the president advocated for the plan, asking former DHS Secretary Kirsten Nielsen to execute it, but she reportedly pushed back. Right. So she pushes back, right? And um, I, I just, I get it. She'd already taken a lot of flack. She's getting mistreated, et cetera, et cetera. But how else do you force the Democrats to do what it is that they right now are not going to do? They're getting their way. They have no motivator, nothing that would cause them to want to create legislation to plug these holes up and give DHS the power they need to maintain the border. So without any kind of motivator, then you have to rely on what you have. And Donald Trump is, is a pro at using, hey, these are the cards I've got. I'm going to use them. But then you got DHS Secretary Nielsen standing in the way. I don't know why he waited this long to have her submit her resignation. Not because she's a horrible person. But if you're not willing to do the job that your, your boss is asking you to do, then it is time to go. Stop hanging around. Stop acting as if 
this isn't about the president being wrong here. There is nothing wrong with saying the people who are voting for these people to be here, the people who are insisting that these people are here should be the ones to support them. And I saw someone post earlier, well, there are supporters. President Trump has supporters in Nancy Pelosi's district. Of course he does. But the people who support Nancy Pelosi have to be made to reap the benefits of what they're voting for. They want more Nancy. They want more Nancy Pelosi policies. Then by all means, receive what you're voting for. I, I tell you, so sometimes we see things take a while to percolate and come up. I'm just guessing, but I'm pretty sure if 17,000 uh, illegal aliens arrived at one time in Nancy Pelosi's district, that a bunch of her constituents would change their mind about sanctuary city policy. A bunch of them would suddenly find that they had a few conservative roots. And I don't mean conservative like they'd stop voting for Democrats, but I think they would demand the phone calls would they would burn the, the, the call lines down at Nancy's office and she would be forced to come out. And you know how she does whenever she has to make a reversal. She doesn't say, I apologize. I was in the wrong. We're making a reversal. No, she'll just say we're reversing on this because it's no longer beneficial to the American people. She'll never say anyone else was right. She would never go to Donald Trump and say, hey, you know, President Trump, let's shake hands. Let's make a deal. She would just take credit for fixing the problem, and so be it. I, it. This isn't about trying to give credit or get credit. It's about stopping the influx. The only way to do it is to play the cards you've been dealt. You've been dealt 100,000 illegal aliens in one month, then it looks like San Francisco's population is going to go up by 100,000 people. That's what I would say. However many are subject to catch and release would be released into every single, you just go down the line, there's actually a list of sanctuary cities. Just go through and check it off. So I want to get to this one more story real quick. Did you know that Google actually labeled the unplanned film propaganda? You know, Google has metadata tags, which they put onto things that you're watching. And what they did was they put on the actual unplanned film. When you look it up on Google, it says, uh, well, it says propaganda. <laughs> Isn't that something? They can't just let people go watch it. They have to try to stop you from seeing it. They can't let you make up your own mind because they're scared if you see it, you'll make up your mind and it won't be for their side. That's why you have to go see it. Don't let them stop you from getting what's there for you. All right, when we get back, we're going to uh, listen to Bernie the Millionaire talk about millionaires and billionaires <laughs> right after this. This week during our uh, family worship time together, uh, when we turned to the scripture, I was sharing with my family and we were discussing the scripture that says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. And I was explaining the whole caterpillar to cocoon to butterfly process. My son said, he's six years old, daddy, daddy, I get it. it it's it's we're, the, we're like the caterpillars. God provides the cocoon and God's desire all along is even though we're in caterpillar form, is for us to become butterflies. And then look what he said. But you know when we get into trouble, Daddy? When we try to move from caterpillar to butterfly and we skip over God. And when you try to skip over God, you think you have your wings, but you fall flat. Tune in to the Hamilton Quarter, weekdays at 5 p.m. Central on Urban Family Talk. And I had to tell you, I had to fight back tears in the moment because 
I'm saying, oh, Lord, he, he's getting this. I love AFR. You say it's on the radio, too? Here at American Family Radio, we know that many people find their audio entertainment in other places than the radio. So our programming is available with the AFR app on Apple and Android devices, through Amazon Alexa, and now available on Roku. I just love the podcasts. That, too. American Family Radio, streaming our podcast, now available wherever you are. And we're on the radio. Family is an institution set forth by God, one man and one woman for life, with the outflow being children produced by that union. It's obvious to all that there is an attack on the family in our country, and especially on fathers. Whether it's the cycle of sin that persists in our families or the pressure from our government to exclude men from being intimately involved, the strategic battle is on for the souls of men. Join us in the battle to strengthen fatherhood. UrbanFamilyTalk.com This is House Call for Health. Pickle juice, your new best health-related friend or your latest unhealthy foe. The liquid made with salt water, spices, garlic, and sometimes vinegar is most commonly used to turn cucumbers into pickles. But health gurus are now turning to it. Nowadays, people are buying it to use as a like a sort of like a Gatorade or a health drink. That's Alan Kaufman of the Pickle Guys shop in New York City. Registered dietitian, Sherry Bookvarv. People drink it for hydration as well as to decrease muscle cramping. But the other thing that people drink it for is the probiotic benefit of it. But she says it's not all good news. If you're drinking a lot of sodium, it can actually bloat you. So it may, it may negate the effects of what you're doing for exercise to help you to feel better. Trainer Lee Gerson says she drank pickle juice as a kid because she liked it, but now? After running, like sometimes, especially in the summer you're just really thirsty and water doesn't quite do it. House Call for Health. I'm Anna Eliopoulos, Fox News. You can download episodes of Stacey of the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or urbanfamilytalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Billionaires, 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 billionaires. I am not a billionaire. Millionaires, 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 millionaires. Now, I just want you to know, because you just suffered through that, that that clip is like at least a minute and 30 seconds long of him saying millionaires and billionaires. And it's not a repeat. None of them are repeats every individual time. And they stop at a minute and 30 seconds. I figured... I think that was like 12 seconds was more than you could take. You might even have a little tinge of a headache starting over your left ear or something from hearing him say it that much, which is why I'm so shocked that teenagers and young adults would be fine with this man being the president. Just imagine how much you'd have to listen to him. It's the same thing with Kamala Harris. You would have to listen to her talk all the time. People who say they can't stand to hear President Trump talk want to have Kamala Harris for the president or Bernie Sanders? I don't get it. I, I don't get that at all. All right. So call lines are still open. 866-963-2037. Um, so I wanted to get to a couple more of the stories that we had for today. Um, so this is kind of unbelievable, but I want to make sure that you get a chance to, to receive this unbelievable information. This is from the University of Kentucky. They've actually capitulated to a list of demands made by a group of students who've occupied their main building of the campus, voicing complaints about the university's alleged unfair treatment of black and low-income students. They 
have formed a group called oh, two groups. The first group is the Black Student Advisory Council, and the second group is the Basic Needs Campaign. They sat in at the the uh, university administration building at the University of Kentucky, and they shut it down on April first, and they just stayed there. They said they weren't going to leave. They also went on a hunger strike. They were starving themselves, which I always I'm always surprised by this. And I don't know about you guys, but if someone was upset with me and they decided to stop eating and I had to take a certain action to make them eat, which again, this is their own choice because I'm not making them not eat. I'm not depriving them of food. They're simply choosing not to eat because of something that I have or have not done. I would not care. Now, I don't know if this means I need an intervention or I need, you know, Bible study chicks to lay hands on me or whatever. Um, but I don't understand hunger strikes because I don't understand why people care when other people choose not to eat. I know some of the prisoners in Guantanamo Bay were refusing to eat because they weren't allowed to pray as often as they wanted to or they didn't have certain rugs or something. Why, why does that work? I, I, I'm, I'm genuinely, I'm asking genuinely, I'm not being sarcastic. I don't understand why that works. I don't understand why if someone told me they weren't eating unless they lived in here, why I wouldn't just ignore it like I do anything else. When people don't like something that I've said or done and I become aware of it, it doesn't change anything. I don't change anything because of that. So why would I change anything because someone's not eating, especially when they have access to food? It's not like these people didn't have access to food. It's that they went on a hunger strike. So they said they were on a hunger strike because some students can't afford housing or food. So then this, the administrator of Kentucky Univer- University of Kentucky, he said he had an obligation to meet with them. And he had an obligation to do everything in his power to help them. Because Kentucky University is their university. And my question is, if you're homeless and you don't have any food, how are you going to university? So he basically gave in to them. He's giving them a student center. He's giving them a permanent seat for black students on search committees for administration officials, so administrators, when they hire them. They're going to collaborate with the Black Student Collective to determine exactly how to execute representation. They're going to take down a historic 1930s mural on campus that depicts scenes of black people planting tobacco. They're going to revise the scholarship historically meant for underrepresented students and those in financial need with the goal of enhancing the program specifically for black students. So disenfranchising other students who have needs in favor of black students. Do you see how this victim mentality seeps into the mind of young, impressionable people and then it makes them do dumb stuff like this? And then in order to address the concerns around basic needs, Capaluto will merge two existing services into a one-stop shop to better handle requests related to food and housing insecurity. He says these will be continually assessed and replenished. Now, what's funny about that is he's... um. They already had a food pantry for people who didn't have enough to eat, but they want one for black people. So they've agreed to staff an on-campus basic needs center with one full-time employee to coordinate and plan the University of Kentucky's approach to basic needs. And I don't know what to tell you. I wish I could tell you something. I wish I could say something encouraging about that. 
he shouldn't be the administrator there. Maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's the encouraging thing. Maybe the people who, you know, maybe, maybe they'll, they'll make a change in their leadership. I don't know. I, I just, sometimes you just feel really defeated when you read a story because you think to yourself, a bunch of nincompoops just work this guy over by starving themselves. They went without food for six days. First of all, how many people in the audience? So if you're a faster, just put your little pinky up. I know I can't see you, but let's, let's do this exercise together. Just want to think this thing through for a second. So let's be real here. You know, it's just us. How hard is it to fast? It is hard, right? It is hard, especially when you're in a house, even if you have just the slightest food, if, even if there's only crackers and water, you want to eat the crackers and water, no matter what there is, even if there's something cooked that you're not really a fan of, once you start fasting, your body is like food, 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 I need food, 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 food. And it is a battle to fast. So you're telling me that all these students went without food and water for six days and we're supposed to believe that? As hard as it is to decide you don't want to eat anything? Come on, I don't buy it. I know how hard it is for me to fast. I did, and so I, I just don't buy it. Anyway, so now I want to talk about one time. Name one time a government program accomplished its goal. Well, actually, before we get to that, okay, we have good. We have a good amount of time here. First, let's finish up our immigration discussion by going to the Texas Texas Lieutenant Governor, who said 1,671 bodies were recovered at the southwest border since 2011. I need you guys to hear this because this is this is the conversation that we're supposed to be having. Uh, it's number four. We were in San Antonio earlier in the morning, and the first person spoke up and said, when Mr. the president said, what can we do for you in San Antonio? And a gentleman named Gene Powell said, well, we need to build the barrier. And he said, and this is the reason. And one rancher after the other rancher after the next property owner talked about finding dead bodies on their property, seven last week, three last month. And I said to the president, Mr. President, we have recovered over 1,000 dead bodies in Texas since 2011, just out in nowheres. And let me tell you what the exact numbers are, Laura. We did the checking today. 1,671 dead bodies oh have been recovered in Texas near and along the border. That's women, that's children, that's old people. These are the most vulnerable people. And the Democrats say they care about people. These are the most vulnerable people that the drug cartels and the, and the human smugglers have taken yep. across the border, given them a little bit of water, and left them to die. And that 1,671, Laura, that's the skeletal remains we find. There are thousands and thousands of people. And so he called in the media and we said, this is the story. You want to cover a story? Go down. I'll, I'll take them in through the no, no man's land and yeah. we'll find some skeletons and we'll show them the photographs. Thousands uh, of people have died coming to this country and it really impacted the president. Yeah, he, he just... Uh... If you think about like if you think about what he's talking about, he means going out and when he says finding remains, it might be the you might like it's remains, right? It's it's sometimes it's skeletons, sometimes it's remains, right? Come on, this is like this is just too much. It's if you think about it, it's just too much. It has to be stopped. Um so over at the Washington Examiner, and I'm just, this news is like coming in so fast. It's a Friday, but it's a full news day. Um, 
President Trump has just announced, well, first of all, he announced that it's not off the table. Somebody else said it was off the table, this whole idea that they would send the illegal aliens to the districts of the people who have the sanctuary cities. He, president said that's not off the table, which I'm glad to hear. Second of all, he's just announced that he wants a battlefield commander on the border to stop illegal immigrants. His moves at DHS this week basically amount to an all-out war on illegal immigration. He plans to rewrite the rules of engagement and require his top aides to run the battle from the border. In other words, stop sitting in your cushy offices in D.C. on your you know $10,000 desks and whatnot and get down to the border and run the, the thing from down there. Because you know what? And you, you guys know this is true. If you've been in any kind of situation where you've had to solve problems quick, you know the closer you are to the problem, the faster your synapses will fire, your responses speed up. You start to really get into solving the problems as they come in. It's stressful. It's hard. But in the end, you get so much more done if you're close to the problem. If you are 30,000 feet off of that problem or you know, 10 states away from it, you're not going to have the same response time or the same sense of urgency that you would have if you were there. So it's, it's appropriate for him to send them all down there. He says he wants a battlefield commander who will take the fight to the border and not get stalled or sidelined by agency and congressional politics. In other words, the swamp will be unable to touch you if you have an office on the border and you have to look at the remains of dead illegal aliens. If you have to look at the remains of dead children and babies, you're going to suddenly not care so much about the people in DHS who have been emailing you or texting you and saying, you can't possibly be siding with that horrible man. They'll, you'll be texting them pictures back and saying, you can't possibly be siding with this. Don't message me again. I have a job to do. That's what we need from these people. He says, we have to have somebody on the battlefield from day to day basis in like a forward theater that's actually making decisions in real time to meet deadlines and meet targets. This is an official. It is very difficult to direct that from a distance. While the media has been focused on the West Wing's purge, the home at Homeland Security, the possibility that the president will restore a program to separate illegal immigrant children from parents suspected of crimes. The administration has already moved on from that, and they're shifting to reducing numbers of illegal immigrants crossing the border or entering on asylum claims. One official said the goal is simple. We need to stop illegal immigration and bring those numbers down. Now, the president has, of course, taken to Twitter, which we all enjoy greatly. Uh, everybody is now acknowledging that right from the time I announced my run for president, I was 100 correct on the border. Remember the heat I took? Democrats should now get rid of the loopholes. The border is being fixed. Mexico will not let people through. This was a tweet he sent out on April 9th. Um, now, Trump said, it, it, Trump actually has been frustrated with Homeland Security. He feels he, that they didn't get the message of his 2016 campaign. He's also worried that the Washington bureaucracy is too pro-immigrant and ignores the public's demands for tighter border controls. And um, he says there's a cultural bias of granting benefits to illegal immigrants and that the goal, the, changing the culture to one of protecting U.S. workers and citizens rather than seeing the applicant as the client, that's the culture down at, at DHS and some of the agencies that are processing these people through. Wow. Can you imagine that working in an agency where people come to the country illegally and you see them as your clients, not the American taxpayers? You see them as the people you're supposed to serve? That's a management issue. That's somebody who's told people to feel that way. You know, workplace culture comes from the top down. If it stinks at the head, it's going to be rotten all the way through. 
he needs to switch some stuff up. So uh, a bunch of people have commented in on this piece. I'm just skimming through here really quickly. I want to give you the kind of the meat of the issue. Um, there And there are some other issues, there are other articles that are connected here. I'll post this story from the Washington Examiner over on the Facebook page and in the YouTube stream. So if you want to read it, you know, I know it's Friday, but if you want to take a look it up. So YouTube is acting like a Democrat. It won't let me post this story. That's not even cool. Um, but I, I will post it on Facebook where I'm sure I can actually get it up. And I just, you know, th this isn't something that we enjoy or that we love. It's, it's that we want it stopped. The sooner we can stop this, the sooner we can get to discussing some other things that are important. The president can get to doing some other issues, um, you know, what have you. Yeah, I'm glad the president is making this this change. And I hope that, that he's going to move on with it. I hope he's going to keep it going. Um, so I, I've been talking about this for a couple of days and I didn't get to it. The, I want to talk about Illinois, which has the worst credit rating of any state. They have an $8 billion outstanding bill tab, uh, a $3.2 billion deficit. That's next year's budget. And the worst part is the $250 billion they're on the hook for to pay to their pensioners. Now, what do we do when we have debt? Well, we tighten our belts up. But what they do is they demand more taxation. And 137,000 net residents have left the state since 2013. So what are they doing? Well, they're doubling down and asking for more tax revenue. They're not cutting their, their spending. And what they're going to do is drive even more people out of the state. And what should happen is that they should be fired. But that's not what happens in government. And that's too bad. All right, that's the show for today. Thanks for being here. Have a fantastic weekend. Get in the pew on Saturday or Sunday. Um, enjoy some time with the Lord and unplug for the weekend and get outside. All right, I've told you enough. Until next week. <laughs>